Welcome to episode 27 of Dirt Stories. Our guest today is Curtis Samchi from MGI Construction based in Ontario, Canada. MGI has completed over a thousand projects all across southern Ontario. Curtis is joining us today to chat about the importance of people in the construction industry, how a person can grow involved within the industry, and how strong company values can help you win bids. Curtis himself has grown within MGI since 2010 and has an interesting background. He studied business admin, public policy, and sociology, a pretty eclectic mix of knowledge that he uses to help drive his own person-focused mindset for the industry. Let's dig in. All right, Curtis, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to dive into what you do in the industry at MGI uh, and this balance that comes with company values, but also trying to win bids and be the best business out there. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So just to get us started, do you want to just tell our listeners about who you are, what your role is at MGI and what you do there? Ooh. This is always the most difficult question. All right. So myself, I guess I'll start with myself first. Um, I had quite the, the journey in construction. I actually never, you know, held a job other than construction. I mean, I've tried out multiple jobs, but these are mostly helping out with friends and whatnot. Okay. So I've been in construction, you know, my entire life. Uh, started off from a labor, uh, learning, you know, the industry. We started um, demolition, a little bit of earthworks, uh, heavy civil stuff like that. And, uh, I got to a, like, this was high school area. And then over time I, you know, was dabbling in and out of college and, uh, I finally found my path. Uh, I took a one year transfer course to, uh, university to get in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually my grades were, were so bad from high school because I just totally wasn't into school at all, which is, mm-hmm. um, ironic considering how far I've gone with the, yeah. uh, academic journey now looking back, but yeah. uh, I had to take a one year transfer course just to get my, uh, my transcript up so I can apply. Um, and I applied, I got in, so I started off in college. I did two years and then I eventually transferred, uh, to a, a social sciences program because I was in a business program and I just realized that businesses start with the people. <laughs> And why, why are we going to study business when we can look directly at the person first? So uh, I just fell in love with trying to understand how people work, how they think, uh, their habits, uh, how they go about things, uh, memories, everything. Uh, how, does, how does the person apply to the business? And uh, I eventually did, you know, four years at U of T. Um, and then, you know, I, I just didn't think that was enough. So I needed a little bit more. So uh, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to go to uh, uh, Ottawa and study uh, public policy at Carleton. Um, and I got, you know, uh, a great outlook on economics and uh, my brain is now wired towards uh, you know sociology so uh, like a social aspect uh, yeah. I studied philosophy so I have a philosophical lens and then my last lens is economics so um, if you can try to get in my brain and kind of bounce all those things that's what's going on in my head all the time uh, nice. is these three major lenses um, and that's how I look at things now <laughs> and now we're we're I'm working full-time with MGI which um, was lucky enough to let me go, um, you know, as I was in school to let me go to, to, uh, school and, you know, finish up my school as I was working in and out, uh, weekends, uh, you know, uh, reading weeks, uh, you know, semesters over summer, uh, in and out of that stuff. Uh, so that was great. It was a great opportunity. I was good to see both sides of it work and school at the same time. And, uh, I had a great time and I was lucky enough to do it. And I know most people don't get that opportunity, but I, I feel grateful to get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, um, MGI, I guess we can start with MGI now. Um, we just reached our, our 10th year, um, a little over, you know, I think it's about, uh, 10, 10, 10, 10 years and, and, and a half now. Um, we're, this is always the most uh, trouble. Like <laughs> we work so hard cause, cause we're, you know, offering full service, uh, providing, and then it was kind of like, okay, how do we break it down into neat categories now? So. Um, yeah. we, you know, we broke it down to four major categories. So environmental, so you can think of that as remediation, yeah. uh, you know, and then asbestos abatement. So that's kind of like your, your neat stuff where you have to look at it from a environmental perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you have demolition, 
um, structural abatement, everything. Um, and then earthworks. So we have, uh, you know, excavation, uh, hauling, hauling dirt, moving around site, uh, filling up, backfilling, digging trenches, and then heavy civil, which is anything underground and then grading. So, you know, parking lots and stuff like that. Um, so, so we kind of, yeah, so we kind of, yeah, exactly. So we trying to pin it. That's exactly what I was going towards. Is we kind of pin ourselves as a, you know, all in one, uh, kind of GC, uh, meets service provider, uh, which tackles a lot of uh, new development projects, uh, 80, 20 rule. <laughs> so you're taking right. apart 80 of it. And then uh, the 20 is up for, for grabs. So that's what we try to pitch ourselves on. Um, extremely, extremely excited to be with the company right now, especially, uh, considering what we're going through with the, the massive changes we're doing now. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. So what's your role there now, Curtis? Right. So that's another interesting question. I start off with the hard questions, <laughs> uh, myself, my company and what I do. Um, okay. So yeah, before it was more straightforward. I kind of used to be, uh, you know, labor and I kind of picked up labor. I was looking around, learning stuff, uh, got on the machine, operating the job, kind of running a job. Uh, now I kind of pitch myself as just many hats. I mean, uh, maybe look at it as an internal consultant, uh, more or less. I don't know. I, I like looking at stuff and getting involved and seeing systems and how they're running and, um, you know, making efforts to make them better, getting people set up with better systems, uh, policies, procedures, uh, standardization, uh, stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of hard unless you're diving into the uh, entire specifics of it, but I like okay. to see multiple hats all at once and, uh, overall just trying to make the organization better as a whole. Yeah. Has that been, do you think that you've had a more in-depth look at the, at the workings of the company because you've grown so much internally? Is that something that happens a lot at NGI or do you think that that was more unique for just how your journey has been at the company? Um, as, as a whole, like the context, the breadth of what I do is, is unique, but in a sense, each individual position um, has that kind of mix because um, just the way we're set up, we have a lot of um, it's, it's more or less hard to explain, but taking on different roles, multiple times and different divisions and kind of seeing all these different things lined up and and gaining experience that way, because we feel that if you're getting this broad outlook on the job and the different roles within it, um, you know, if you do, you know, climb up the ladder and if, if, if your, your, your main goal is management or your main goal is an operator, seeing, um, the whole line of events is, is how you perform your job the best and having an understanding of it. Um, because if you're, you're operating the machine there and you don't understand how a labor works, uh, your operator, uh, you know, capacity is, is, is lower because right. you're just not safety too. I mean, if you're labor yeah. first, you understand not to go behind a machine. And if you're an operator and you understand what it's like to be a laborer, you're going to look behind you and you're going to notice that how powerful this bucket might be if you, you if you nip a guy or whatnot. Yeah. So it just it just gives you this this outlook on things. And we we, we believe uh, very strongly that um, start to finish is how you should view your career. Yeah. Um, Do you think that because you have such an interesting like like blend of of studies in the past, public policy, economics, sociology, did you always know as you were going through that process that you were like, I love this, but I still want to be in construction. I love this, but I want to apply it to this building industry. Always. Yeah. Always. hundred percent. I, I never, um, the thing with academia is the further you go, the more refined your expertise gets. Mm-hmm. Um, so a PhD has, is an expert on uh, a grain of sand in the world's expertise and, and he or she is the person who knows that. Right. So you yeah. do your, your, your studies and you know that grain of sand within the world of knowledge and you're the person to go to on that um, knowledge base, uh, which is great with the way you look at it. But from my perspective, I'm, you know, a generalist. So I kind of um, hopped around and kind of take bits and pieces of stuff that I felt would be applicable to uh, the work I'm going to be doing in the future. And I kind of approached it with that sense. And it sometimes it's, it's very, it was very struggling because um, I'd be having these uh, you know, case studies, whatever it may be. And I knew that it wouldn't apply to my field. And that puts you in this huge cognitive dissonance because you're, you're going there to get the degree at the end of the day. But in a sense, you're, um, I wasn't going there to get the degree. I was going there to build my skills and, and grab all these 
thinking caps and, uh, you know, intellectual tools that I could apply when I looked at problems, because um, as we know, the construction industry, there's no right way to do things. And it takes a shitload of of (laughs) critical thinking to take apart and there's no right way to do things. There's no straightforward things. Yeah, especially now, like the industry is just, there's so many problems, but there's so many more solutions and trying to figure out what works best for your company, what's going to work work best for the work that you do. You know, you need to be able to think about all these different factors that play into making a strong company. And it's not just one answer and it's not, a, there's no right answer. Absolutely. And it's just amazing how much variation you get on site to site. And you think you've done this business for 20 years and each yeah. site surprises you. It's absolutely amazing how 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 that happens. And and if 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 the you know the modern phrase goes, you know, each day is unique. That's it couldn't be more true of what we do uh, every day. And that's that's also a pro to recruiting too as well. Um, seeing how every day is different is very appealing to a lot of people, and especially for me and um, likewise like minded people. That's awesome. So um, MTI is based in Etobicoke, Etobicoke, Etobicoke in Southern Ontario. I love that. Etobicoke. Etobicoke. Yeah, it's my Saturday morning brain for you. Oh, trust me, I feel you. (laughs) With over a thousand projects in the company's portfolio, and I'm sure you've worked on or at least been involved in so many of these companies across your journey at the company as well. Is there any particular project that stands out to you that you were just like, this is awesome, or this is super interesting that you just loved? Oh, man, that's it's basically like picking your favorite child. I mean, not that I have children, <laughs> but I would feel like that would be the predicament. Um, is that how you look at them? Like each project is like your own little like pet project and you just yeah. love individual things about them? Yeah, and that, and that just ties into, you know, the, each being unique. It's kind of, yeah. I would hate to compare them because they're so different. I mean, do you... Are you a fan of large projects? Are you a fan of like um, difficult projects in the sense that you know you're limited by these factors, or you're a fan yeah. of unknowns? Each project's so unique, and for me to pick a favorite right now, uh, there's like thirty bouncing off my head right now. So is I there couldn't... one? <laughs> is there one maybe coming up that you're particularly excited about? I don't know. We just read in the uh, the news yesterday that the. Uh, the demolition for the Skydome. Well, I guess it's called the Rogers Center, but it'll always be known as the Skydome to myself. But uh, the Skydome is apparently getting uh, a serious proposal for the uh, the reworking, the redevelopment of it. Hopefully, that'll end up in our portfolio. <laughs> so, that would be a super yeah. awesome project, and what yeah. a way to make like a lasting impact on Canadian culture, pretty much. And the entire skyline for as long as we've known it. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I'm sure a lot of people feel certain ways about that. Um, I know. I know it's weird because it is. It's such a staple in like when when you have this vision of what Toronto is, it's the CN Tower and it's the Rogers Center. So, I mean, I think it will depend on what they end up wanting to do with it. But I think that there's a cool opportunity there. If for your mind, with your history in the industry, if you could have your say into what they would do with this next project, is there any like ideas that you have or anything that you think that they should do? You'll have to talk to my lawyer about that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it sounds like a very political uh, thing, but uh, I, I just remember as a as a as a kid, always drawing that sky uh, the skyline as a kid because you know just what kids yeah. do is they draw stuff, and you'd always put that skydome right beside the CN Tower, and I can actually like feel my hand writing it right now, but. Um, you know, who knows if it's going to even go down, right? Because uh, yeah. it's probably taken a, a number of things, but to speculate, um, it would be nice to keep that that same structure there with the dome and everything. But mm. at the same time, you know, money wor- moves the world, and um, if there's better, bigger, and better things to be done, and hopefully it just doesn't come down to a, a cost equation where X is the amount of the m- money we work, and they're incorporating mm. the uh, the community within those. Um, uh, discussions yeah uh, but at the same time I, I mean if they can rework around the uh that dome there and do whatever mm-hmm. they want around it but keep the same dome because i'm sure a lot of people have a lot of memories there and yeah. x amount of pictures have it in it for sure that's very um i'm just thinking back to what you said about how you say like business starts at the people like at the base of everything all construction projects do as well because you're building something for people to enjoy and to use do you look at projects in that way 
as less of like the structure itself, but more about what what's going to happen once the project is done. Oh, that's so relevant because uh, we were just having a conversation yesterday with, uh, I guess I call him a good friend as well, but a coworker. Um, and he was saying, uh, you know, he obviously didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't uh, consider himself, you know, to end up in construction. Uh, yeah. But now that he says it and he says, um, you know, obviously recession proof and it, it, it thrives in a thriving economy. So it's in, in that sense. But he also said um, the greatest part is when you're doing stuff, you realize who it's for and how great is it to see, you know, as fluffy as this sounds, but like the, 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 the project you just worked on is going to raise uh, 500 families, kids, um, yeah. and, and they're going to be walking on it and, and drive X amount of people to work to school today and uh, house a new family. And it sounds extremely fluffy and stuff, but at the end of the day, that's what it's for is, is to keep the people sh- uh, sheltered and, and to keep, uh, you know, the public education system working and to keep our roads strong and uh, to keep our economy strong and uh, international level and just so much that ties into this industry. And I personally think it's a little bit underrated and we don't get that message out enough and we need to work on that. That The work we do is, is super dirty, but super special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So MGI, as you were saying earlier, it's an all-in-one construction solution. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly what it is you do because you do a little bit of everything. I'm curious how this helps you, like the company or you, separate MGI from other construction companies when bidding for projects, but also if you find that it tends to make projects more complicated or does it make it simpler to kind of say, well, we can also do this and we can also do this. It just it increases the way we are able to bid projects because um, we can bid stuff as a GC and we have done in the past um, big projects. Um, we'll, we'll bid it as a GC and, and take out the, the let's go to the 80-20 thing. Um, sorry, excuse me. The uh, We'll go back to the 80-20 thing and uh, take off a large project and do 80% of the work in-house and and sub out the rest of the 20. But also, um, if it's a singular demolition, you know, mid-size industrial building, large-size industrial building, we'll bid on that as well. If it's, you know, a a new excavation build to clear out a field, we'll bid the excavation work, we'll bid the heavy civil stuff, um, and we'll bid it as a package. So um, we'll bid competitively on both fields and able to, you know, integrate some of the transition costs, uh, all that um, kind of stuff that our machines are sitting, you know, you'll save on float moves, all that stuff to get uh, a competitive bid for both sides of the project. And, um, you know, GCs, if, if they're bidding the job and they'll love us too, because, you know, we're developing a relationship for a longer period of time versus kind of, you know, uh, a one night stand to get this done and then see you later. So we're on site for the entire thing, more like a marriage. That's awesome. <laughs> and we can build a, a longer and, and save on, you know, administrative fees, all this stuff, getting together, communication fees, all that getting set up and, and to move. Hey, we're going to be doing this. Maybe we should do it this way because um, we think it's going to do like this and we'll, we'll help out as well. Um, you know, because like going back to the thing, uh, construction, as much as they're drawn up on paper, on blueprints, on project management software, um, when it comes down to it, uh, there's so many variables that uh, that often looks almost like a guiding star versus the reality of things. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's a two way street, whoever you're working with, client, uh, client contractor, client GC, GC subcontractor, whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's a relationship and, 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 you know, everyone needs to work together to kind of get that job done. Um, and at the end of the day, it's about, you know, making buck, but, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of ways to, to get around it and to kind of bypass some of the, the downsides that a lot of happen. Communication issues is huge in our industry, right? Cause it's just so yeah. much that needs to be communicated and, uh, think of weather, how much that affects the industry too. And everybody knows that you can't predict weather for more than what, 24 or 48 hours. Yeah. Um, so in your experience, has all the technological advancements for like software for the industry have improved this communication? Or do you find that it like sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, can, can be kind of hit and miss? Ooh, software technology, that's an issue I, I love to talk about because <laughs> we're in the midst of a uh, little technological nuclear warfare there because um, looking at us as a company and looking at you know, the industry as a whole, um, software needs to be integrated or technology as general needs to be integrated because it will make everyone's job easier. Um, and I can't believe how far we are behind on some of the stuff. 
Um, but what I've noticed is, is, you know, companies like those and yourself and everyone, you know, moving, making these pushes towards this and making things streamlined and, uh, you know, beautiful user experiences, you know, UI, UX. Um, this is what needs to be done to kind of make it uh, more, you know, easily transferred over to the, the generation. And I think we're in the midst of a, a transition right now where it's, um, you know, the hard, you know, baby boomers and stuff who really, you know, developed this industry through hard, hard work. And we have a new class of, you know, Gen Z, whatever, moving up with more just education by the, um, you know, uh, statistically um, higher, edu- higher educated, um, statistically as a whole, uh, moving in and seeing things a lot differently. But, you know, there's pros and cons to that because, yeah. you know, a generation before us uh, wouldn't question a lot of stuff and they just get the job done. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the pro. And then. On our end, there's a lot of questioning and thinking about things and not getting a lot of stuff done, right? And that's a con and just, you know, making this balance between what both generations did well and what they do well and kind of meeting in the middle here with this, you know, technological advancements is difficult. And, you know, seeing uh, Gen Z come come up on smart devices and phones and seeing it almost as a third hand and... Um, you know, the generation before us seeing uh, phones is basically like a, 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 an upgrade to a pager uh, <laughs> where you don't have to go to the pay phone, right? And and not see. And uh, for me, my phone is my th- like an ad- upgrade to my brain. The way, you, you know, yeah. you pack your, your, your trunk in your car, um, I'd put, you know, kind of put my cargo into myself and I rely on it so much, but not in a way that kind of takes away your intelligence, but it, it surpasses what you're able to do. Um, I don't need to remember so much shit now when I can just plug it in a, a reminder on my phone, right? right? And that increases your short-term memory. So it, it's literally a tool. And if people start seeing it that way, um, and speaking of MGI, like we're, we're so big on this right now. And it's, you know, it's it's been difficult trying to make these movements and get these down these avenues towards like, hey, this is the road that can make our lives easier. Because, you know, you just see resistance all around. And I'm not quite sure. I think it's just the general condition of, you know, humankind that we don't like change too much. Um, and that's rooted into our, our brains evolutionary wise, because um, if we're good, homeostasis, if we're in the same position, we're safe and we're, we're getting fed, right? Evolution wise. Yeah. But as soon as change happens, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, it might get eaten by a tiger, right? So <laughs> that's the quote <laughs> of the, the podcast. Yeah, that's the way our, our brain would work. There's If there's uncertainty, there's surprise, we might get eaten by a wild animal. And, we're, you know, our brains have adapted, but they're still in that that primal state. Yeah. So when we're introducing this tech stuff, um, it, it probably causes a lot of anxiety for people. And, it, and the thing I hear a lot is, um, you know, it's, it's not even like that, but you know, why, why are we changing things? Mm-hmm. It's like, I wish you can instill the vision where, um, picture from my end and how much easier this is going to make your life, your, your job and the easier I make your job, the more comfortable you're doing your, your main tasks, right? Cause yeah. that's what you're here for. You're not here to fuddle around with stuff. And if I can reduce your, your load a bit, it'll make your job easier in general. Um, well, I think and- the integration piece is a huge part of it because for so long, tech and i think that that's a big part of what's changing too is now tech is starting to look at construction as a huge opportunity but tech or construction doesn't just need technology construction needs technology made for construction and i think that that's what we're starting to see now is this recognition of you can't just take a general software and slap it onto construction companies because it doesn't give them what they need to become efficient it's about looking what the actual problems are in the industry and then making a solution specific for the industry. And I think that now that that's starting to be recognized more, hopefully we'll start seeing more and more technology that actually works for the everyday contractor or maybe somebody who wouldn't really be down to jump on it, you know, if it's like normally, but now that they're like, this is what you do, it's one little thing in your day and it's going to do all this stuff for you it's seen as less of an attack, like you said, and more of like a tool. It also takes, um, I think, you know, I've, I've listened to those, my predecessors guest on the, on the show and, you know, they have great points about, um, you know, kind of this networking effect, uh, you know, the more people on something, the easier it is to handle. Uh, this is, you know, it's just the same way Facebook worked. If you got 10,000 Facebooks, uh, it's not going to be as effective as having one Facebook where you can kind of take advantage of all the outlets on one app and stuff. And I see that's a lot now is a lot of, uh, you know, 
individual people doing their own thing and a lot of competition and kind mm -hmm. of not in, like you said the integration right if mm -hmm. um, we need customized solutions that fit the uh, constructors or contractors needs um, and there have been which is great there have been some breakthroughs with uh, some things um, but there's so much still more to be done on stuff yeah. and and it, it's it's just getting people on board as well right um, mm -hmm. I don't want to say whether our industry is doing a business as usual approach here, but um, usually when, you know, industries and, and companies take that business as usual approach, they get swallowed up by uh, innovators, right? And we see it so many times and we can name a million examples of the past 10 years of about companies just sitting on their, uh, their, their cash cows and the way the economy works now is just super fast and everything's uh, extremely quick, right? And if you're sitting still, you're already behind. Um, yeah, it's, it's insane how quick we move now and how much you need. And training is a big thing too. the technological um, and you're talking about, you know, integration in this and the training is another barrier is about getting, you know, taking the time to really show people how to use it. So it's not anxiety when they're touching their phone yeah. or, you know, working a computer. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that is, you yeah. know, it takes courses and this and that and some stuff takes like years to learn. Right. So. Uh, chipping away at it or setting a, a predetermined time each week, you know, three hours on Friday or three hours this weekend, I'm going to get better at X, you know, and that goes a long way. Even if it's an hour, um, an hour a day over 365 times 10 years, you'll probably be one of the best persons in the world to do whatever activity that is playing guitar, learning another language, um, learning your rental software, right? <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll know it, learning your phone, like um, chipping away at it. And there's obviously no, uh, dead solution to getting people on board, but uh, discussions help, and that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when it, I'm just, I'm sure that you see this in MGI. Like, there's so much in the industry to to balance. Like you were saying, like you have to win bids, you need jobs, or else like your company can't exist, obviously. But you also have this push on health and safety of training your people, of trying to have a good culture, of trying to you know, make people feel satisfied and, and fulfilled with their work. What do you think the key is in, uh, for a company? I mean, maybe you don't know, but take, take a think about it. But the balance of, of building a company that's worth having versus just like trying to focus on the economic side of it and just winning bids and making more money. That's, that's the number one thing. And personally, um, the bigger you get, uh, I believe you need a mix of both. You necessarily don't need um, 100% of your, your people in on company values because uh, just the way things are, if you get too many people like emotionally and politically invested inside your values, it creates a lot of chaos, right? There needs to be company uh, people who who use management as a, as a tool to uh, make under everybody understand that uh, the inner workings of a clock um, if, if someone's the hand and someone's the gear and someone's the, the nameplate on the, and the time and a, a true manager will, will let people know how all that works together. And that's truly how much your, your company values go, right? Because mm -hmm. um, paychecks, that, that's why everyone's here is to get paid. Everyone has bills. Everyone has this. Everyone wants to, you know, buy the Christmas gifts and blah, blah, blah. It's no use hiding that. Uh, we mm -hmm. need to talk about that. Your pay is, is your, your pay is your price in the market. Um, how much your wage is getting is what the free market dictates that you should get in the market. And if you're happy with that, you need, the employer needs to be happy with that. There needs to be mutual understanding that that's the the price of your labor or your, your thoughts, right? Your, the price of your labor. And, um, I think a true company value is getting people on board is, um, transparency. There's a lot of key values here that, um, a company should value is, is transparency. So, uh, speaking of wages, is there shouldn't be you know, someone feeling like they should be making more, understanding why they're not making more, which is why career paths are so um, great for, you know, younger peoples and just overall people getting into the industry is seeing how you can progress. It's not necessarily your career path is how you should be in the company for uh, 10 to 100 years, right? It lays yeah. out your, your stepping stones and, and which paths and which critical points you need to need to master or need to, you know, take that next step forward or um, you know, this path will lead you here for um, a good, stable position and, and so on and so forth. Um, but company values, it, it, it's a cultural thing and it's truly hard. Everyone, you know, kind of writes these these big uh, 
company missions and this and that, if you're, if you're just writing it to place a place it on a website, what's the point? Um, that's why we're constantly trying to look at it and say, Hey, how, how are we changing? Um, you know, what are the, what are our thoughts now? What's, what's our driving force towards uh, our industry or people right now? And it's truly a cultural thing that if you're not in the meeting, some of the people that are, you know, key players in the industry and getting on site and it's so hard to, to explain culture. Um, you can try, you can write an entire book on it. No one's going to read the book. And if they do, yeah. you have only a figment of it, right? Because it's yeah. a lived experience. Cultural is lived. And it's a matter of, of working on culture too, because as I was going back, economy changes so quickly. And a cultural thing is technological, getting that into your 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 game plan for bids and stuff, right? That's a cultural thing. Um, yeah. It's cultural to be against it. Oh, we don't use technology. That's a cultural thing. Um, so cultural should be adapting with the times. Cultural now is... You know, just looking at statistics of, you know, going back to Gen Z's, they admire this work-life balance. It's okay. We, the industry has been X, Y this entire time <laughs> previously. How are we incorporating, you know, people's new new wave of thinking and just the way they were brought up, not in, not in war times, not seeing their parents go to war and, you know, yeah. kind of this, this different lifestyle. Of, it, it's, it's unmistakable how, how much, like major life events influence the generation, right? Because we haven't been through a war. We've been through a pandemic. Maybe that'll change things yeah. a bit. That's <laughs> what I'm just going to ask is how do you think, yeah. and maybe you've already been seeing it, but how COVID's been changing, even maybe the culture within MGI. Uh, you know, people have their, their you know, um, cautions about it. Um, everyone, every single person is hoping it'll change. Uh, <laughs> it'll change quickly with the vaccine, hopefully, and get back to normal. But yeah. um, I think the lockdowns, a lot of people entirely against it, right? Because I feel like we can, if everyone is on board, we can make this a mask environment for as long as it takes to get you know, the key players within the health industry on board to get a vaccine out there or a long-term game plan for this. But I think we can all do the mask thing. It's just, you know, uh, individuals are abusing it or getting in groups and that's what kind of ruins it. But lockdowns change your entire life, right? Uh, when stuff's entirely closed, that'll change a lot of things versus wearing a mask and kind of taking precautions. Um, but, you know, you see that. And f even myself, for instance, this lockdown has changed my entire habit. And I feel like I'm also, I met Curtis, you know, I don't want to say 2.0, maybe, you know, 1.8. Like I went backwards because <laughs> of it, because I feel like I'm not running my throttle at full force, right? So yeah. you, you learn uh, individual, you know, idiosyncrasies with yourself and how you act in certain positions. And I, I try to, I try to be, you know, understanding of people's, you know, differences in, in how things are going. And if, if you're like, oh, I need to, you know, tend to my, you know, so-and-so because blah, blah, blah. It's things have changed and we need to acknowledge that not everyone's going to be how we thought they were before, you know? Yeah. I think we're all getting a lesson in compassion and empathy this year for sure. Right. And, and even people who have, have lost, uh, you know, people to the virus or have uh, a, a precondition where, you know, they're more susceptible to uh, some of the or even fatality, the negative effects associated with it. And uh, as much as it sucks, we kind of need to even if you're you're the uh, statistically the person who would would be uh, less, least affected by it. You kind of need to have somewhat, like you were saying, compassion for the people who are most vulnerable. And unfortunately, these are the people we were talking about earlier went to war to fight for our freedom and stuff. So uh, yeah. we need to respect our, our elders, as I would say, as my grandmother would say. So um, it sucks because it just sucks because yeah. uh, it doesn't affect everyone equally, right? That's, yeah. that's what sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard for people to uh, see the least affected to get the most effective. Um, our service industry, right? I, I feel for those every day. Um, who, oh, who, definitely. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. And, you know, one of my best friends is a restaurant. Uh, it's built on his, you know, uh, second generation, right? And uh, I can imagine third, fourth generation uh, uh, restaurants and, and so on and so forth, salons, hairstylists. I feel for you. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask, how does MGI walk the talk when it comes to their culture? Like you were saying, it's everything more than just writing it on a website. So how do they really um, embody that for their employees? The interesting thing about cultures is it's, it's, I find the construction industry is almost split in two with the on-site and the off-site stuff. And 
uh, that's something I'm really trying to tackle is to understand that, you know, both sides are needed to get the, the project done. Um, if, you know, if on-site guys are thinking they're doing all the work and this and that, it's, 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 that's a, that's a horrible thing to know. And our culture right now is notify, uh, you know, acknowledging that culture should be a work in progress. And, um, if you do post it on your site and you're not hundred percent true to it, um, how are we working towards to better that? And, um, the steps we're taking to make us a better company as a whole. And our, cult, our culture right now is, is acknowledging, you know, what we're bad at right now and how to get better at it. You know, That's awesome. it's, it's hard to say that, but uh, no company's perfect. And um, as soon as, you know, uh, you can kind of mirror stuff and you can kind of do the gas and mirrors about how you're trying to do this, but um, we make mistakes and uh, how are we getting better at that? That's our number one focus is, acknowledging these and getting better over time. It takes a while, but a lot of the stuff we've been doing for a long time and, um, you know, these little tweaks here and there is going to make us a better company as a whole. And that's why we've been growing the way we've been growing for, you know, 10 years right now. And we have a solid core and it's a matter of moving our solid core into a larger core. Um, And that stuff just takes time. And speaking of culture, it's uh, our culture right now is to really, you know, stand down our our culture or strong core here and uh, slowly you know, build that or radiate that outwards and, um, you know, new people, um, uh, you know, young people, everything, and trying to integrate that into uh, their way of doing things and grow at a steady pace versus this massive uh, $1 million or $100 million investment and, you know, trying to hire, who, who fill these roles, fill these roles. It's a matter of, you know, taking a younger person or um, taking someone from who's worked in the industry a long time um, and, and seeing their way of doing things and, uh meeting at a halfway point and, and, and growing together. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think the best companies are the ones that recognize that they aren't perfect, in my opinion. I <laughs> because agree. none are. There's, it's impossible to find one company that has nothing wrong with it. And the ones that try to pretend that it are, that just makes me wonder what's actually happening. <laughs> so I, mean, I love it that. It benefits no one when yeah, everyone's hiding. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's probably one of the best ways to ensure that you are a strong company and that you have strong cultural values and that everybody within the company does feel appreciated. So I love that. What do you think is the next big trend in the construction industry, Curtis? Ooh, next big trend. I'd I'd honestly say, um, I don't know what you say when you say next, uh, might take a long time. And obviously that's, uh, it's a little bit of a open to discussion thing, but um, even if it takes a long, long time, unfortunately, I see the um, the automated machinery, you know, entering the field. Um, there's a serious limitations with it right now because of safety, right, and just the the complexity of each project. Um, but I feel like over time, um, there'll be you know uh, setups and you know systems set up of how to tackle a job with an automated machine. Um, cause right now, if you approach, you know, I think demolition is going to be the hardest just cause demolition is demolition, but, um, I can see it with a lot of this earthworks and heavy civil stuff, especially larger projects. Yeah. Um, th- there'll be, there'll be steps taken where you, you know, set up a project. So your automated, pro- um, machine or equipment works versus yeah. kind of tackling it like that. So you'll put in the time, even if it's, if it's uh, manual work to set up a project, mm-hmm. so the automation works, if that makes sense. So you're kind right. of gearing your site towards almost an automated factory. Um, and we know that uh, the, it's going to be huge political because right now we have, we've had the technology for automated cars for a long time. Um, it's just right now it's a political thing. So yeah. um, you know, how are we going to get laws and stuff? And what happens if, you know, a, a passerby gets hit by an automated car, but it's uh, leased through a finance company and who, who are we suing and this and that. And we know uh, automated cars will you know, reduce deaths significantly, but mm-hmm. the difference is we have a human to blame and we have a machine to blame. And um, overall, safety would improve, but it's entirely political. And you know, it's good and bad. But um, we're looking at you know automated machines, and I think that that will make its way into the industry uh, because, like I said, we know machines are safer and easier to work with. <laughs> but yeah. um, and it, and and the biggest thing about you know. Oh, automated this, automated that. And there's, there's a term for these, uh, this happened before with Luddites they're called and 
I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but L-U-D-D-I-T-E-S. Uh, if you search that up, there's like these this group of people who, you know, when automated machines first entered the industry, they were like breaking in and destroying those machines and thinking that, you know, oh, these are going to take our jobs. But um, we look at we look we look at the you know statistics for this stuff, um, the literature that's out there, and we know that you know every time there's an automation, like you know bank tellers and uh, the green uh, what they're called the uh, ATMs, uh, yeah. we know that there was a huge thing with that. It's like oh my god, like my bank tellers are going to go down. We know that when the ATMs came out, uh, bank banks increased their employees for bank tellers um, yeah. because it took a lot of stuff out, and they're able to grow and have more branches and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people need to kind of understand that. So as far as like automated equipment goes, maybe we can look at it, something that's more um, in the works right now. And that's, yeah. you know, automated trucking. So hopefully that's my, that's my prediction for the biggest breakthrough would be automated trucking. Um, equipment will be a little bit harder to understand because there's a lot yeah. more uh, <laughs> stuff. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of moving parts. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we know that we could probably, uh, you know, uh, mirror some of the stuff that's already out there as far as the smaller vehicle goes. Um, so, and then the, the laws and the political stuff will be handled uh, if the light duty vehicles get uh, passed by law and into the market. Um, so my, I guess my biggest prediction would be heavy vehicle automation and uh, probably building on that would be some of the automated stuff for the, uh, the dozers and the buckets. I love that. And when it happens, everyone's going to go, we never saw it coming. And you'll be like, we've been talking about this for years. <laughs> exactly and and right now like the greatest thing would be is is go you know unfortunately because of covid the trade shows have, have, have you know tanked because yeah. i was you know recently got into this because you know finally finished school and it's now like okay uh, now i'm not plagued by the the homework thing but yeah. um, you know getting out to trade shows and it's excellent because this is the place where it's it's there everyone's there and they're talking about stuff that's coming um and if you're on top of your game you're you're, you're discussing like, oh like what's going on here where you at with this progress um, you know, we had stuff with, uh, uh, what's it called? No, sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. The uh, Con Expo, we were just at in Vegas there not too long oh, ago. Yeah. And absolutely, it was my first time. And Oh, you um, guys did go this year? No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, the oh, whole shit. Yeah. I have some crazy stories about that too, but that's more personal. But uh, we were like almost like at the verge. This is when everything was closing for the first time, yeah, borders and everything. Good. and. Yeah, Dozer was going to go, but then we made the decision like that week of. Oh, yeah, you had to. You had to because that's when all yeah. the info was coming out. It was like day by day. Yeah. Um, so interesting. But we went there and, you know, gladly it was it was almost, uh, well, I, I don't have anything compared to, but I think they were talking about like 80, 90 percent capacity. So it wasn't like a huge, de- uh, you know, damper on the show. Yeah. Um, but the greatest part for me is my first time, obviously. And uh, everything was just like you know, new innovations and new products. Like obviously there's going to be, you know, sales pitches, this and that trying to, you know, retake their market thing, but just the stuff that's new and, and moving this. And obviously yeah. there's, there's big iron there. It's all shined up and stuff, but you know, the most interesting stuff for me is like, you know, who are the people there that are kind of discussing the stuff that needs to be changed and what are they doing about it? And um, there's, I don't think there's any like centralized marketplace that like a forum or anything or, these are the forums like uh, yeah. where people come together and talk about it. There's, there's no like, uh, there's great companies out there like, you know, Equipment Journal, we, we, we've, uh, we read and stuff. Like these are the publications that kind of get out and blogs. You guys have a blog, everything um, where this stuff comes out. But like on a mass scale like this, this is where, this is where the, the knowledge comes out and this is what people talk about. And going back yeah. to your point about like, we didn't see it coming. Um, you know, it's okay. It was there. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. Oh, I just had a question. It's going to come back to me. It will come back to me. Um, so talking about trade shows and all these newfangled equipment pieces out there, do you have a favorite type of equipment? Oh, yes, of course. I, I thought about it a long time, probably about 15, 20 years now. So how do I pick my favorite? Talking about the children before, now I definitely have a, a favorite child. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, the do- it's the dozer. Um, oh, yeah. I used to think it's the excavator. Just Everyone's like probably favorite the excavator just because it's so you know, unique and different applications. You can pretty much do anything with an excavator. If, you, if you're if you long enough, you can dig a hole and pack it if you drove over the traction on the frame. Um, yeah. But it's the dozer just because I love like art and, and getting involved with like, you know, my just feeling the, the, the art and just letting go. And I feel like the dozer, you're always, you're shaping the land basically almost like Michelangelo <laughs> with yeah. strip and dirt and, and following grades. And 
it's it's just a very intimate experience when you're you're going over curves and you're just like shaping the land that was given to you. I just find it so exhilarating and um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth as anyone as any dozer operator would know, but just I don't know, it's just a feeling that you get and you're just literally shaping the land and it's just I don't know, I just feel like it's so symbolic. Yeah. You need <laughs> to put literally. that on your on your business cards, like Curtis Samchi. The Michelangelo. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think, I, think I, just, I just puked in my mouth a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. No, that's great. It's true. A lot of people, we ask this question a lot, and a lot of people say, like, excavators. We get telehandlers every once in a while. but What's, I don't even know what a telehandler is. Well, it's like a material handler. So it's like, it's basically like a mix of a boom lift, a forklift, and a skid steer. Oh, that thing. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like a very, uh, we talk about them a lot because they're really great for snow removal. Um, so we talk about them a lot at Dozer. We, we love telehandlers. I don't know why. It just always comes up. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. You'll have to. Yeah, I watched um, one of the guys on our on our team. He used to work in the snow removal industry for a really long time. And he's the one that educated me about telehandlers for snow removal. And he sent me this video and it's like, it's just amazing watching a telehandler clear snow. I never thought that I'd be like so engulfed into a video about a piece of, you know, machinery moving snow, but it was just magical almost. They use those for snow removal? Yeah. Look them up on YouTube. Oh, oh, because they're stacking the, the stuff high. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's so low and so compact, it moves like a skid steer, so it drives like super easy. Um, and they're really portable too because they move on wheels. So you know that big loader like sucking your gas over a little bit of snow too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Massive, yeah. massive loader just there so it can get up on the snow a little higher, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, for sure or trying to use a tractor but the it can only go up so high so you throw no, navigating a curve yeah. oh my gosh yeah oh man yeah it's so funny eh? how there's always different equipment for different projects but... and the creativity behind it nobody nobody yeah. you know made that for them they just figured that out right and it kind of adapted that's what's great i love the free market right yeah yeah, especially with all these new attachments, like you were saying, like automated machinery and automated technology for machines and, and vehicles, how people will be using equipment and how different it will look in the future. All right, technology is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. like who knows what they'll be using dozers for in 20 years? Who knows? Exactly, yeah. Who knows if they'll have a bucket on the back? That's equally Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my dream will come true. <laughs> yeah. You can just do it all yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So what what's your favorite thing about your job, Curtis? Wow, favorite thing. Mm-hmm. See, I, I don't know if you t- you know the theme here, but it's very hard for me to pick favorites. <laughs> it always struggles me because the way my brain works is like yeah. it's an explosion. Just the way let my me, let me yeah. rephrase that then. Yeah. On the day to day of what you do, just like a typical day, and I know that there's I'm sure that there is no typical day. But is there one thing that's something that you always enjoy? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say change. Like I love change so much. I, I love seeing. I love seeing. You know, like we're going back to the discussion before, just seeing that you've done this way for 10, 15, 20 years in your entire life, and just instilling a little bit of, um, you know, something where you know either it's a comfort boundary or anything where it just wasn't introduced and having this introduction of this thing that we researched fully, we tried out, we did field tests and now we're comfortable releasing it and we release it and it just changes the way something was done. And just that satisfaction of knowing that, you know, X person is doing things not more efficiently, like as far as making more money goes, but just having a a more comfortable job position, you know? Um, And I just love that feeling. And uh, another thing too, is the growth thing. Um, seeing, you know, you know, day one and seeing what we've come from with like rental stickers on the back of stuff. And now even offering our stuff to dozer for rent, it's like a huge, (laughs) a huge transition, right. And seeing the machinery grow and your people grow and, you know, you know, company long people have been there and reminiscent about stuff you used to do and what the future has in store and, you know, knowing people's, their names of their kids and how they're coming along and seeing their kids grow up. just a great feeling and uh, yeah. I wish more people were 
uh, on that same train to, you know, Hey man, like if you hold a job, trust me, like it's great to experiment when you're young, go to McDonald's, like work at McDonald's is such a different experience and feeling that standardization and how a company works. But, um, obviously there's people who work at McDonald's the whole life, but, um, you know, try out all these bunch of, you know, different gigs that appeal to the younger class and try them out and meet different people and get that experience. Um, but I really truly believe people should follow a career path that stay with the company for an extremely long time because you get the, you know, you're getting, you're getting gypped if you're at a company for two years, right. And, uh, you didn't, you didn't give it your all and you quit when things get tough or you don't take so-and-so because this, and you're pissed off and you take off, you, you get, you get, uh, you get gypped, man. you you didn't get your full experience. It's like leaving the movie early. You never get to see the end. Right. And I'd say just try to, I understand people will stay at a 20 year company and they shift pivot towards a different career path, but try to stay in those like 15, 20 year marks. Like it's excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's the contractor in you coming out, wanting to see something through to the end. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I guess that would be the, the, uh, my answer then is, is seeing yeah. a, something through and through and start to finish and getting that, like we said, our job is so visual and so uh, satisfactory because, um, you know, even coders and stuff, I guess they do get to experience the, the last thing, but, um, seeing a, a job, like start from this, this massive industrial building and see what it comes up like two years later in this new thing where people are interacting with it and parking their cars. It's like, Oh shit, that was me working in there. And I, I did that little thing. And yeah, you're, you're building up the landscape. You're literally building the world. Exactly. Constructing history as we call it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if you love change, you love growth, obviously you're in the perfect industry for you, Curtis. So thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation. I have really enjoyed um, just hearing your thoughts on some of these topics and getting to know more about you and about MGI. So before we go off, um, I would love to ask if there's anything else that you'd love to leave our listeners with today. Uh, yeah, reach out to me on, on, if you want to keep the conversation going, reach out on, on those, like mention the comments, uh, reach out to me. I don't know if you guys do the show notes, but, uh, Curtis J. Samchi on basically all the channels, uh, reach out to me if you want to keep the conversation going. Uh, I'd love for you guys to have me back even in the future too. This is a great opportunity. I'm extremely grateful to, you know, have this conversation, which I'm, I feel so, uh, you know, uh, excited about getting these discussions going that, you know, we need to get better as a whole individually you know, company-wide or industry, internationally, whatever you want to call it, um, let's continue moving forward and, and these discussions start that. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Dirt Stories, a construction podcast produced by Dozer. Dozer is the world's first e-commerce software solution company for heavy equipment rentals. To learn more about renting equipment on the Dozer Marketplace or how you can use web stores to bring e-commerce to your own rental company, visit dozer.com. Thanks to Curtis for joining us for today's episode. If you or someone you know has a dirt story worth sharing, let us know. Shoot us an email at dirtstories at dozer.com or you can follow us on social media at dozerhub and send us a message there. You can find Dirt Stories wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. I'm Jennifer Cote, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Dirt Stories.